0: Filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter, Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective, part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: As you know, on this program we often talk about persecution of Christians around the world. I wonder if you ever spare a thought as to how we might be viewed when the history books are written, our response to those who are brothers and sisters in Christ who are under such challenges now, and perhaps these are the people who are coming under our watch. And it's very easy to say it's the watch of particular ministries that are involved in looking after persecuted Christians, but there are those ministries that are reliant on people like you and I for how much value they can be in their support of the persecuted church. Let's get some insights today. Open Doors is an absolutely wonderful organization that is caring for and ensuring that persecuted Christians are looked after in the circumstances that they are so that they are not deleted, if you like, from their nation. Mike Gore is the CEO of Open Doors. He's joining us once again. Hello, Mike. Welcome back to 2020.
0: Neil, it is always great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, Mike, this issue with what the history books might say about us, uh, it, it is a little bit of a concern, isn't it? Because I guess there are people who'd be saying, well, perhaps not enough is being done to support persecuted believers.
0: It's one of the realizations, I guess, I've had this year is that, you know, modern church history is being written in this moment in our lifetimes. And The mandate, I guess, that comes with is incredible because, as I said before, you know, what will history say was our response. And I think for us as believers in the West, this is really a time to stand up and to live by the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: I guess every country where there is severe persecution have their own stories to tell. Let's get a little bit of a focus in on the nation of Iraq because you've got a special focus there at the moment uh, with a fundraising program in order to support persecuted Christians there. Uh, What's the serious situation that's going on and has been going on now for some years in Iraq?
0: That's right. In Iraq, we've seen the displacement of several hundreds of thousands of people, and now within those people are many, many Christians. And as a ministry, we work through partners in that region to try and restore, I guess, some form of normality to their life. One of the things, I mean, this has been going for several years now, and I guess one of the challenges we face as a ministry and and other charity organizations in the West is that we're often driven by what I can only describe as crisis-to-crisis, fundraising and now in Iraq what we're moving into is uh, as an organization we've been working with partners for many many years well before ISIS and we'll be there long after that but what we need to do is we need to start moving into the next phase of the project and that looks at long-term restoration which is incredibly important but more often than not not as attractive as. And it's a terrible word, but not as attractive as sometimes that crisis-to-crisis model. And so over the next 30 days as an organisation, we're really trying to move into that next phase where we start to bring back some long-term restoration to the people who have been affected by this disaster.
1: Well, I suspect there'll be some listening to the conversation saying, wow, what a great initiative, because this is not just a uh, throw a few dollars at a problem and hope it goes away. Uh, This is actually a 15-year redevelopment plan that you've got for local Christians in Iraq. How does that 15-year plan play out, Mike?
0: That's correct. The, The way it plays out is at the moment, the first phase of that is to really look at things like trauma care, and so an example of one of those things would be so many of the children that have been displaced by ISIS uh, that I've met would their parents say they wake up at night saying dash dash which is you know ISIS are coming ISIS are coming in. and so for them there is a huge amount of trauma they carry for the parents there's a lot of trauma we're working with a lot of fathers who are dealing with the concept of shame because they have gone from being the breadwinners, and these are professionals, they're doctors, lawyers, police officers, school teachers, principals, having gone from being a professional and providing for their family, now find themselves for the last two or more years living off food packs in refugee camps. And so there's huge amount of trauma they carry. And on top of that, we're looking at teaching and training, because as you can imagine, with these communities that are displaced, not only are churches uprooted and changed and congregations ripped apart, but also schools and education systems are torn apart too. And so we need to start being able to develop and establish teaching and training uh, programs in these camps. And then I guess the last element to this first phase would be a job creation of microloans. And so, again, as families come into displaced communities, the economy in some of these places can't handle the influx needed of jobs. And so what we're trying to do is provide micro loans to people i was in a bakery recently in northern iraq where there's now eight to ten idps internally displaced people working in this bakery they're making bread and selling it to local people and businesses and it's a way of using the skills of these people in the camps and trying to say look we want to seed fund this and try and help you get an element of normality back to life
1: Interestingly, when we talk about the persecuted church, Mike, uh, the way you actually do provide that sort of support, and you've been talking about trauma care and teaching and training, those things obviously really important, but I guess the goal of that is to strengthen the church that remains in these circumstances, and uh, without the helping hand that's coming from outside, uh, these churches run the risk of actually crumbling and dying. Is that the case?
0: It's one of the most beautiful things, I unlike any other ministry on the planet, the literal survival of the church to fulfill the Great Commission in some of the most conflicted countries on the planet. And that is a real privilege, a real honor, but also a real responsibility because what we're seeing across places like the Middle East is the reality that within three to five years, the church as we know it may be wiped out. But my firm belief is and the reason why I, I believe that supporting and caring for the persecuted church should be part of the DNA of every Christian is that if we as believers want Christians in these countries to wake up with a God-given vision to start, let's say, a Compassion, a World Vision, or an A21, well, the church is a genesis to that. If the church leaves, the opportunity for people to wake up with a God-given vision to change their nation will leave as well. And so it's why I absolutely believe in this ministry, because I think we are involved in such a crucial ministry that's uh, that's so needed for this moment in history.
1: Let's focus on this historical issue, because uh, it's not history to us yet, because this is happening today. But as you say, into the future when people are writing the history books and reflecting on this time, uh, what did the church do to support the church that was under such threat in places like Iraq? This is a real challenge for people to actually give. Uh, Let me just reinforce something that I often say when I'm talking to you at Open Doors, is that there are not many opportunities uh, where Christian ministries have this uh, open door, these connections behind the lines where not many people can necessarily get into, but you've got some wonderful opportunities to support churches on the ground that are doing wonderful work. If people want to support Open Doors in a significant way, how can they do that, Mike?
0: Neil, you can go to opendoors.org.au. You can donate online. You could call us and make a donation over the phone or you could jump on places like Facebook and find us there and then follow the links, I guess, home to places where you can make, again, donations securely and safely online or over the phone.
1: Okay, simply Google Open Doors Australia. You'll find the Open Doors site and you'll find all sorts of great resources and you'll find out how you can be a part of addressing something which is a major need right now so that when those history books are written in the years to come, at least uh, you'll know that you were a part of a solution and not someone who was just apathetic and contributing to the problem. Uh, Mike, great getting your insights again today. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020.
0: Neil, as always, thanks for having me and I really appreciate the listeners to 2020 and the way that you guys embrace the message of the persecuted church. So thank you so much.